Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. Depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up, and we're still talking about revolution. Hello, and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. My name is Marissa, and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And a warning that there may be audio content of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples that have passed over. First up on the show, we will hear from Alan Brown, who is a proud Gunjidmara man, an ambassador and life member of the Victorian Aboriginal Health Service. Alan has been involved with VAHS for over 40 years in various roles, including as chairperson for 10 years and also CEO. Alan will, Alan will tell us about the history of the Victorian Aboriginal Health Service celebrating 50 years of caring for community. After that, we will speak with Ian Rintel from the Refugee Action Coalition about a media release entitled Government Must Stop Its Redetention Raids. And then we will speak with Commissioner Sue Ann Hunter about the Yuruk Justice Commission, which will commence on Wednesday. It's two weeks of public hearings as part of its inquiry into the systemic injustices um, injustices experienced by First Peoples within Victoria's child protection and criminal justice systems. Sue, Sue Ann Hunter is a proud Wurundjeri um, woman currently holding the titles of Deputy Chair and Commissioner with the Uruk Justice Commission. More about this later. This year, the Victorian Aboriginal Health Service celebrates 50 years of caring for communities since establishing in 1973 as the oldest Aboriginal community-controlled health organisation in Victoria and second oldest in the country. Aboriginal community-controlled health organisations operate in culturally safe, holistic ways that contribute to improving the lives of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. I am honoured to welcome Alan to speak about this and more. And I'm hoping that Alan is going to share with us um, all about the, the history. Hello, Alan. Welcome to the program. Hello, Marissa. It's lovely to have you. Um, and I was wondering, you've been at 3CR before, haven't you? You would have been. Certainly. Um, my 3CR days go back to Cromwell, so Collingwood. Oh, wow. And uh, when we had um, some courses going up in, it just sounds like the late 70s. Yeah. Um, and also later on, um, we had Curry College going and our students would do, do some radio programs. I also did some radio with um, some of the Curry presenters that have uh, graced the airways on 3CR over the years. All of them staunch warriors. 
all of them. And can you talk? I mean, who are who were they? Was it Robbie? Uh, yeah, Rob. Yeah, Rob. Of course, Rob. Of course, Robbie. Gary. Uh, Gary McGuinness, Ronnie Briggs. Yeah. Uh, Gary Foley. Fantastic. Um, and, uh, a few of the, few of the guys. Um, and uh, we've seen three. Well, Pre-Show was just a valuable media platform for us to to be able to get on um, and communicate with the rest of um, the people around around the around the place um, about issues that were affecting Aboriginal people. Um, all rights-based, all about injustice, um, and presented by local Aboriginal people who who uh, were, at the, were at the coalface of, of the impact of some of the things that we were talking about. Yeah, well, that's right. But the reason why I invited you on, and actually Vanessa from the VAHS helped me find you because um, the Doing Time show does a lot of Aboriginal-led interviews, and we do a lot of work yes. in building the movement to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody, and yes. we, we cover a lot of health um, stuff as well. So... Can you start off telling us about the history of the Victorian Aboriginal Health Service? How did it start? You know, how did you get to this point? Uh, well, look, it, it, I mean, one of the good things about one of the one of the really strong things about Victorian Aboriginal traditional owner groups and Victorian Aboriginal people is our resilience um, and our courage and our vision. And that's not that's just. I'm not talking about the us mob now. I'm talking about Historically, we've always had a good background and a depth of um, people in our in our communities who who were dead, who were dare and would challenge and see ways around injustices and um, that that were impacting on, on on us as people and as families and as communities. So so far, and you know, we're talking about thirties and forties and fifties and sixties and and all that. And so VARS VARS was set up in Fitzroy, not far from Fresia. In Smith Street, uh, 229 Street, and it, was, it was a group of local Aboriginal people who decided enough is enough. Um, although although hospitals were pretty close to the populace of Aboriginal people in Fitzroy, they might as well have been on the moon in terms of accessibility and equity. So um, we needed to run our own health services. So this group of people, relatively inexperienced in running health services, I might add, but certainly full of courage and want and vision, for the right for Aboriginal people to determine our own health journey. So they formed together as a, as a group of people, started very very humble beginnings, you know, volunteers and, and um, all that type of stuff, 229 Gersa Street, where, tonight, where now VARS is a very complex, you know, we've got five, five clinics, we've got 280 staff, we've got lots of programs, but all that same, we still maintain that over 50 years, that same principle of, Caring for a community, the local Aboriginal community are the bosses of our organisation, um, and that's the only way that could be. So it started off um, in Gertrude Street. What what are the, some of the changes that have happened since then? Oh well, there's been massive changes in, as you can imagine, our relationship with government is was was um, is is just like a minefield. You know, the goalposts keep getting moved, and um, so, so that's one of that's one of the interesting changes, but but early days, bars were set up in spite of government. There wasn't really that much government support. Not that we really were seeking it because we were going to do it anyway. But but there was some, wasn't. But they needed to they needed to step up and show responsibility for the health status of Aboriginal people in this country. So they need to invest in the things that make a difference. 
And that's what Aboriginal health services do, make a difference and save lives. So um, so that's one of the big changes. We're now, now the CEO of VARS, Mick Graham, and, and, and some of our board members and other, other senior sort of management type people, they sit at the big table and, and start to make decisions about the impacts of health. But 50 years ago, that was quite the opposite. And we've been through a, um, been through a journey of various different state and federal governments of different political persuasions who all think they've got the answer for Aboriginal people and their biggest failure has been not to listen to Aboriginal people. That's sort of changing now and you've got to be optimistic about, about that. But that's, that's, part of, that's one of the biggest changes. I think the other important thing is that this, the, 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 the medical professionalism is, is, is on the move and, and it's on the increase. We Now Aboriginal people are more comfortable with becoming Aboriginal health workers, which are quite significant, doctors, um, nurses, and, and managing the place. So, you know, our workforce is vastly increased to where local Aboriginal people are also running the place but also delivering the service. You know, Alan, I'm going to be careful here because I, I don't want to talk too much about women's business, but I do want to make one comment, and I just want to see what you think of this. In the history of of genocide and ongoing colonisation, over the years I've interviewed quite a few women, particularly older women, that are too frightened to actually go into hospitals and give birth, and in fact their grandmothers, um, you know, as stolen generation survivors have actually been left out of the hospital system to to die. What do you think of that? Yes. And how how can absolutely. we we do absolutely. work with that? Well, you're absolutely right, and that's one of the travesties about what's going on, you know, in our country now. Um, I mean, I'm I'm 64, and um, you know, like I mean, I've I've got people my age who were, who were, take, who were stolen from their families in local hospitals. Now, hospitals not far from from, from where people listening uh, um, to, to the program are. Um, and it was done for no good reason except that, well, whatever the reasons were, just, you know, just breaking families and breaking families apart. And it doesn't surprise me and it, that um, hospitals are seen, not seen as places of healing. Hospitals then it was seen as places of um, where you wake up in an emergency, or you're likely to be stolen from your from your parents as a as a child. But uh, and so that's one of the greatest injustices. And maybe you can ask Sue and Hunter later on how they're gonna how they can deal with that yeah. through through the your uh, truth commission because that's that's the stuff that needs to be hit the tail for pe- for people to be able to hear the sadness and the grief of their families being torn apart um, simply by having a child in hospital, something that non-Aboriginal Australia does every day, every minute. But for us, it, it begins a journey sometimes, um, which is very difficult to repair. But having said that, I know from just, just my, my time in VARS that Aboriginal women in particular are the backbone of our community. They are the strength and they, they, they've got the resilience. And I'll say that as an Aboriginal man, I've no shame in saying that. They... they the, the organisation VARS has, has had a, uh, a litany of strong Aboriginal women bringing up families, keeping families together and being their matriarchs around the things that we need to do to, to progress the, the rights of Aboriginal people. It's, I'm so happy to, to hear that and I'm hoping that 
you know, VAHS, like they've achieved a lot of supports and firsts in Australia, haven't they? And they've established the first Aboriginal dental clinic and the women and children's program. And I'm hoping that more and more Aboriginal people can, will be able to come in and not have that fear anymore, even now. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of ours. Um, and, and, and I've seen, I've, I've, I mean, one of the good things about VARS, one of our strengths is we take the blinkers off. We don't have a Western medical model vision, and that's not part of us. We take the best bits of Western medicine, give us a doctor, give us a nurse, give us a, give us a surgeon, and, and we'll take them. But the main thing is there's also Aboriginal constructs that also add, add to what we do. And I've, I've seen VARS make, make decisions about health service delivery which are now the normal medical lingo that every every other health service non Aboriginal wants to do in the country. You know, the wraparound service, you know, the, the holistic approach, um, the, the, the the health service where you could see a dentist and a pharmacist and a doctor in the same building. Aboriginal health services started all that because we we seen that that was necessary. But just up the road from Free CR is the Fitzroy Star Gym or Mesa, what it's now called in, in Gertrude Street. You know, that's where that's where the, our local community has seen participation in sport and physical activity is really important. And they were doing that 40 years ago. And now now everybody's onto that. Um, Koori College, Aboriginal Health Worker Training, we ran our own health education college. Koori Information Centre, Nindabaya Workshop, Arts and Crafts Facility, all these, all these you know, sort of different things. But, but it's also the Aboriginal Funeral Service, um, you know, where... Which has now grown to where we we take responsibility for the burial of our own people, but we also have our own cemetery out in Waruna. So all these little from little things, big things grow. And Vars has always had the blinkers off and able to find ways and be creative and be courageous and to get things done. Alan, I'm really happy that you've come on because not only have you given us the history, but you've also given us a few services in case people are listening. Um, and Aboriginal people, and also Aboriginal people in prison, may be listening and may be getting out soon, and will need to connect with some of those places. Absolutely, like like for 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 anybody that's locked up at the moment, you know, be strong. Come and visit us when you can. As soon as the doors are open, pop into Vars, Nicholson Street, Plenty Road. We've got a, we've got a clinic in Epping. We're going to have a clinic in St Albans. You know, um, find a way to, to to reconnect with us. Um, we've got some people that that want to that work with people in prisons and out of prisons, but we'll also be able to hook you back into the community and also possibly you know, give you some supports and get you on, get you on track. And that's really important. But we'll do it in a friendly way and a safe way. Alan, thank you so much for coming on to the program. And later on in the show, we'll be hearing from from um, Sue Ann, Commissioner Sue Ann, and we'll talk more about all this as well. Can I have you okay. back on sometime, Alan? I'd really love to talk to you more. Uh, absolutely, that's that's not a problem. Do that anytime. Just let me know. Wonderful, and a special okay. thank you to Vanessa for organising this. Okay, no worries. Thank you. Thanks a okay. lot. Bye. Bye. And that was um, Alan Brown from the Aboriginal um, Victorian Aboriginal Health Service. And throughout the year, um, the health service will host a series of events um, to to celebrate um, the, the fifty years. And we'll be speaking with Ian Rintel next from the Refugee Action Coalition. Do you believe in the right to protest? 
Are you concerned about climate change and the environment? Then come and make your voice heard at a mass meeting on the right to organise for climate and the environment. Join others at 6.30pm on Tuesday, March 7th at 535 Elizabeth Street, Central Melbourne to discuss and then vote on practical ways to support climate action and the environment and to defend the right to protest. Speakers include proud Gunai Kurnai woman Marjorie Thorpe, United Workers Union's Godfrey Mose, and Environment Justice Australia lawyer Natalie Hogan, and will be facilitated by Tuffy Morwitzer, campaigner for the Goongarra Environment Centre. Come participate in some direct democracy for a better world. Your voice matters. RSVP is essential. Go to gecko.org.au forward slash calendar to book your ticket. This event is wheelchair accessible and Auslan interpreted. A 3CR supporter. And in case you've just tuned in, this is a Doin' Time show and 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. Having introduced laws to overturn the legal decision last December that saw 163 people released from immigration detention, the government has begun re-detaining people. On the line we have Ian Rintel, who is always instrumental in providing accurate and up-to-date coverage about the plight of asylum seekers and refugees. And here he is. Hello, Ian. Welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, Marissa. Thank you. Lovely to have you. Now, I've just been a little bit concerned lately about what's been happening. I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, re-detaining and there's been a few laws, you know, that have come in that are supposed to be good that have been introduced by Labor Can about visas. Can you tell us a little bit of background? Um, well, the thing that's got most publicity has been the Labor Party has finally put into place its uh, promise uh, that it made, well, took to the election in May last year, and so 19,000 people who were on you know, temporary uh, visas uh, are now going to get permanent. Uh, they've got to apply, but... Um, you know, they've, they will, they, they're 19,000 uh, eligible for permanent visas. So that's going to make an enormous difference to, to them and their families and their circumstances uh, in Australia. But it's, uh, you know, the one piece of good news um, out of, uh, you know, what's we've been waiting nine months. It's taken a long time to get that one piece of good news. It's finally come through and will make an enormous difference, as I said. But most of the other things that have come from the Labor Party, um, you know, are not, uh, you know, anything to, you know, to celebrate. Even the, the decision about the 19,000, while it's very good for those people, uh, Labor has said nothing about the uh, 10,000 people who were rejected under the Morrison government's fast-track system. It was a system that was de- designed to reject people, and it rejected people by the thousand. And so there's 10,000 people who are still rejected and have got nothing you know, from the you know, Labor's announcement that we were expecting. And the people from Medivac, there's sort of 1,100 of them and their kids now born in Australia are in the community, some in community detention, some with bridging visas, but they're still being told that they'll never you know, settle in Australia. Um, so, but the, uh, your, your introduction related to an even worse piece, uh, you know, something from the, the Labor Party, actually, it's like from directly from the Liberal Party's 
you know, immigration playbook. Um, there was a, a, a federal court decision in December uh, that said that some of the some of the reasons that uh, people had been in immigration detention were unlawful, um, and as a consequence of that decision, uh, 163 people were released. Um, the Labor Party's response to that was exactly what we've seen the Liberal Party do on previous occasions when they've lost in court. They've gone into the parliament. They've changed the law. This time, Labor's actually retrospectively um, they're, they're given, them, given themselves retrospective powers uh, so that anyone who's released um, is liable to be uh, re-detained, and that's what they've actually started that process. So there's probably 30 or 40 people by now of the 163 who uh, are being, you know, have been round up and are back in immigration detention as a consequence of that, uh, that law change. It's, I fail to understand what this means. Why? Why is this happening? Well, that's a very good question because, you know, the Labor was also elected uh, with the kind of understanding that their their attitude to uh, the 501s, uh, many of whom are New, Zeal- are New Zealanders, uh, they're, they're able to detain people under Section 501 of the Migration Act simply because they're non-citizens. Um, Labor indicated that they would take a you know, um, a softer attitude uh, to those, you know, to those visa cancellations. But that's not what we've seen. Uh, so even there was a small announcement um, about uh, Section 501, but as I said, this law, I think, just is one indication of... It's like it's like the other piece, the other decision that they made, you know, a little while ago was to, you know, re-establish Nauru uh, to, as, a, as an offshore detention place. And uh, even though that had lapsed in December, the Labor Party was very keen uh, to put that instrument, also put another instrument through Parliament, you know, re-establishing that Nauru was a, a, a legitimate you know, offshore detention centre for Australia. Um, and this piece with the 501s um, effectively means, I think, in spite of any little change uh, that may, you know, that may happen, the architecture, the overall architecture of immigration detention and of offshore detention simply remains in place. And Labor is very, very committed you know, to keep those things, those things there. So Section 501 is going to stay there. Uh, it's going to stay as a discriminatory and effectively a racist measure under the, you know, the Migration Act, allowing people to be have their visas automatically cancelled or for them to be able to be cancelled on character grounds by the by the minister. So you can do the crime, do the time, and still find yourself in immigration detention sometimes, and and often is the case now is for longer than any time you've done. Uh, in prison. Ian, I just wanted to have you on just just to check in because there's so much that's been going on. Yeah, and, you know, no, it's, a, it's, it's a fair bit to take in, Ruth. It, it really is, and and yeah. I think that you know, in I don't, it's starting to feel to me like Labor and Liberal might be a little bit similar. Well, I think over the question of immigration detention, they are a fair bit similar, and that's you know that's one of the problems I think that people need to recognise. I mean, we've had to fight them all the way; they've lived up to that promise over the you know over the permanent uh, visas. But even that, uh, their their policy says that they will can't they will abolish temporary protection visas. Um, they haven't abolished temporary protection visas. What they've done is allow 
the 19,000 who are on temporary protection visas to apply for permanency. That's great for those 90,000, but it does mean that the the laws, the architecture, the offshore detention, the indefinite detention, the mandatory detention, every bit of that is, is still in place. Let's hope that you know that, that Labor can actually overcome some of those legacies from the Morrison government. It is pretty early in yes. the piece at the moment, isn't? It? We've got to try to be positive and see what happens. Oh, you know, yes, we can. Find, I mean, I think I try to make that point as well. Yeah, I mean, they, it didn't just come out of the goodness of their heart. I mean, no, there's no. been so many campaigns for so many years. People have fought inside and outside detention to win permanent visas, and I think we should take, um, you know, we should some take some sustenance uh, from, yeah, from that decision. Look, we've. We've actually won those nineteen thousand. It's not the Labor Party's win; it's actually the movement's win in that, you know, in, <laughs> yeah. that in that regard. And uh, if we won that for the nineteen thousand, then we can we can win more. Absolutely, Ian. Well said. Look, thank you so much for coming onto the program, and I'm That's sure we'll be that. talking to you again very soon. No worries. Thanks, Marissa. Thanks so much. And that was Ian Rintel from the Refugee Action Coalition speaking about the plight of refugees and asylum seekers. Quite a lot of complex things going on, good news and also a lot to be looked at. The Yaruk Justice Commission is the first formal truth-telling inquiry into injustice experienced by First Peoples in Victoria. From Monday, February 27 to Friday, March 10, Yuruk is holding public hearings with First Peoples witnesses who have experienced injustice in the child protection and criminal justice systems. You can watch the hearings online or make a submission at yurukjusticecommission.org. A 3CR supporter. Oh, but there's weeping in 
Back with the Doing Time show 3CR, the Europe Justice Commission will commence two weeks of public hearings as part of its inquiry into the systemic injustices experienced by First Nations people within Victoria's child protection and criminal justice systems. From March 1st, Europe Commissioners will hear from First Peoples, including parents whose children have been removed, carers and members of the Stolen Generations as part of their inquiry into the child protection system. The second week, commencing March March 6th, will centre on Victoria's criminal justice system, including the need to reform bail laws to stop people being unnecessarily imprisoned in pre-trial detention, the age of criminal responsibility and police accountability systems. The Commission will hear evidence from First Peoples who have been involved in the adult and youth criminal justice systems and their families, as well as advocates and experts. The Do and Time show interviews about all these things week in, week out. I'm excited to welcome Commissioner Sue-Ann Hunter to the program. Hello, Sue-Ann. Welcome to the program. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to have you, and sorry for the long introduction, but I wanted to really explain to listeners exactly what's going on. Yeah, look, it's a lot. Um, it, it is a Royal Commission um, into Systemic Injustices for Our People, and, and it's from 1788 to, like, historic to contemporary. So it's, it's quite broad and it's quite big. Um, and I think, you know, given just off the back of prison visits last week, so I went to correctional facilities, it's probably... Good time that that actually uh, you guys check in and, and see where we're at. It's really important, and and in fact, um, can you just tell listeners what is treaty and how is this part of treaty in Victoria? Okay, so treaty is well, it's the first people's assembly that was elected by mob, and they formed an assembly. So the assembly is a voice at this point for government, not legal, but you know Victorian government. And one of the things they really wanted to push for was well, they will, you know, negotiate a treaty framework, what it looks like, all that stuff. But in the process of doing that, they really pushed for uh, the, uh, the truth-telling process to happen. So um, that is UBOOK, which means Truth in Wamba So it's the, the Truth and Justice Commission. And we've been set up as a royal commission, uh, looking at, as I, as I previously said, uh, historic and contemporary um systemic injustices uh, faced by First people. So big, big task, um, absolutely massive, and, and I feel the weight of it every day, particularly knowing, you know, uh, I'm a Wurundjeri and I'm a Rang woman. So knowing, you know, these are my mobs and these are my people um, and making sure because I think one of the things I've said time and time again is, you know, there's no use in telling the truth unless there's justice, right? So justice is the outcome. It really is important. And I'm wondering, while we're talking about lands and country, can you just tell listeners what lands you're from? Yeah, so I'm from uh, I'm from Nam, uh, so Melbourne, and I'm a Wurundjeri uh, Narae Ilum Wurrung woman. Uh, and just want to uh, pay respects to any elders that are listening out there and, um, you know, I hope, I hope we're doing them justice. I'm, I hope, I'm sure. And... I was just going to ask you, because I was talking to Alan Brown earlier on from the Victorian Aboriginal Health Service about truth-telling. We talked a little bit about um, women and health, and I didn't want to talk too much to Alan about that because, like, this is women's business. So I wanted to really talk to you about what are some of the truths do you think that are important for, for women, not just in child protection but also in the criminal justice system to to talk about there? I guess I can just look. Health covers across all spectrums, of everything, course. and as you know, it's all interrelated. It is. But I guess that happy coming off the back of particularly Dainsville Fox last week, which was really hit us. Hit us in the you know it's a good reality check to go in and and speak to the women there. And we had, you know, we don't um, expect them to come forward. It's up to them if they want to speak to us or not. We probably had about twenty women speak to us, which was great from the prison. Yeah, so we went into Jane Phillips, which was really good. Um, the the health conditions are, are pretty shocking. Um, I think there's uh, eight hours of funding for a dentist for all the women in there. Um, you know, just to see a psych, for instance, could take up. You know, there's even the, you know, what's brought into it is if you're, you're there on remand waiting or if you're sentenced. So if you're on remand, you can't get these services or... You know, there's certain things you can't get because you're not sentenced yet. So, 
Um, you know, and there's women being over in there over 18 months still on remand and haven't been sentenced. Um, you know that the you know the mental health was the biggest thing, um, and these women are crying out crying out for help. Um, they they can see doctors, um, but I guess you know as I'm a, I'm a clinician, a family services clinician, and I think one of the biggest things for me is that connection to family and community is completely lost. Um, and particularly when you bring kids into it and, and you don't get to see them or you get to see them rarely. I think that plays into the mental health a hell of a lot. It really does. And there's, it's so important, isn't it, to have to have leadership of Aboriginal community-controlled organisations. And have you actually had a lot of experience with that? Yeah, look, I think one of the things is Dainfield's Frost has, uh, I think, Western is it Western Health coming in, or they've got another facility rather coming in to do the health services. So you're hoping that that lifts that sort of game. But you've also um, they're pretty good in there. They've got um, in the fact that they're having these clinics uh, that I found out. So um, one of the aunties in there is organising things like hearing um, uh, optometrists, uh, things like that, with the health service to come in and and check out what's going on with the women. But it's not a con- consistent thing. It takes someone to organise that. Yeah. Um, I think that our mob know our mob. And, you know, if you want to talk about self-determination, you want to talk about um, better health outcomes, you're talking about let's do it for ourselves. Um, I, you know, I prefer myself to go to an show rather than, uh, you know, a mainstream health service because I understand my needs better as an Aboriginal woman. So why can't we have that same right within the prison system? There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And, and despite that, you know, we had the privatisation of correct care and yeah. the inquest of, um, of Veronica Nelson and yeah. her death recently. And I did well, put out a warning to listeners that there, were, there may be deaths um, talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. look, um, I think, you know, one of the girls said to me in there, and this really stuck, you know when people say these things and they just stick with you, yeah. She just said to me, why does it have to be a death to make people aware of this? Because this is the treatment we get every day. Now, she's talking about people coming in, coming down off drugs um, and listening to them. You know, all you get is Panadol, listening to their screams, hearing the pain they go through. And they said, we know that, you know. We don't want to be addicts, you know, but we hear other people coming down through this and it's a symptom of our trauma. You know, they're, they're so insightful as to, you know, what they need and 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 what what they want, but it's just not, not heard, you know. And so, uh, to be honest, I, I, it's a real honour that these women were able to share what they shared, you know, with us. And will this be recorded as part of the commission? So what we... we well, it was recorded, but the, the, the thing I, we will be de-identified because we don't want... Um, we, you know, that's what the women want, and we don't want to put unless they make a submission themselves in their own name, and they want to make that public. That's fine, but at the same time, we don't want to add to people's stress uh, inside, and so it will go as part. It'll form part of our public record. So anybody that comes forward, um, as we know, truth is told by the colonisers all the time. Uh, sorry, the history is told by the colonisers. We don't get a say in what 
what the history says. But now South Sydney to get a say in what the history says. So we'll be out creating a public record with our voices in it. You know, this is the first in Australia uh, formal truth commission. So um, we should, as Victorians, actually, we should be proud, I think, to have, have this happening. And um, we, we do it in the way the person giving their truth or their story, whatever you want to call it, is safe and comfortable. They also get to share it or not share it um, with the public, but it still forms part of the public record because it goes in sort of like thematically and, you know, we read all these and they don't just sit there and do nothing. They'll help form our recommendations. I was wondering if you could just at this point tell listeners about the structure of the Royal Commission, how it works and what's going to be happening because I know that the second week is going to be looking at yeah. Um, the criminal just injustice or justice system, I should say. Yeah. Got, um, yeah. Could you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. We've got two themes running at the moment, and that's um, the child protection system and the criminal justice system. And so our job is to look at the systemic injustice. So this has been going on for a little while now, um, and we've had uh, well, our first, our very first public hearings were around elders giving voice to what we need to, you know, telling their stories. And that's, that's continuing to run. Um, but we've, we've now have picked up those two themes because uh, the elders pretty much as we went around, the state told us of the themes they want us to look at. And these they were screaming out for these two. Um, and so we've had uh, organisations and experts. We've already done one round of two weeks of hearings and this will be our, sort of our second round of hearings. So... This week is um, the voices of community telling their story um, for child protection. And the second week is criminal justice. Now, just because we're not doing things publicly doesn't mean there's not things happening behind the scenes. So we also went on country um, and did some public hearings, uh, private hearings in Portland last week. So they're not all in a room. But the public ones are screened uh, online. And you can go onto our website at any time and view them. Um, we try to make this as, as public as possible with that, with what people want. So, you know, it may turn off at any point where someone feels they don't want to share some stuff. Um, and so listen to the sirens in the background. No idea what's going on. Sorry about that. don't know if you can hear them. Um, I can't, actually. Go on. Oh, so... Um, you know, the, the the next theme is land justice, but it doesn't mean that we stop on criminal justice and child protection. They just go right through. We have what we call a critical issue support coming up for 30 June. Our recommendations don't just go to government. They go to the First People's Assembly as well. That's the thing I like about it. It's not just going to sit with government. First People's Assembly then gets to push for further for these recommendations to be implemented. The reason we want to hear from mobs around, you know, all things, particularly these two, is, you know, um, colonisation is a, is a process that's still happening today. And, you know, we've got stolen generation children being moved, it's just in another form today. So we want to hear people's stories to be able to make really clear recommendations about how the system needs to be overhauled. I mean, we could sit here and say, this is what needs to be done, this is what needs to be done. But those, those voices of our mob really push those recommendations forward. And, and these aren't for us to say what we want. These are to say what mob needs, um, how we can stop our children being removed at, at the worst rate in Australia, and how we stop 
the over-incarceration, uh, particularly our, our women and men, um, but particularly our women, because that rate just keeps growing, um, and how we keep families together. So um, that answered that. And raising the age of criminal responsibility. So, uh, you know, sovereignty obviously has never been ceded in this country, has it? So no. this this um, commission started happening way before the possible referendum coming up with the voice yes. to parliament. This is a separate issue it's in separate. Victoria. Yeah, just Victoria, yeah. So we need to in some ways, and I want to see what you think of this, demand a sovereign treaty with an independent sovereign treaty commission, don't we? And I, it's interesting that you you were mentioning that those recommendations are not just going to government, and I'm glad of that. Yeah, me too. Totally, me too. I think if people, if that's what people want, right, I, I don't want to ever preempt what mob wants. I don't, I, I don't want to do that. Um, but if we, we have people coming forward saying this is how we want it to be and this is what it looks like, because we also, our recommendations are to inform treaty as well. So, you know, we've heard about a, a possible um, justice treaty. We've heard some people talk about that. So that that, that informs us as well. Is it a separate um, child protection treaty? Um, you know, there's, there's things that um, that people could possibly put forward, you know, and we can have a look. Because we have been looking around the world, different treaties, how that's happening, what's been happening, what recommendations in truth-telling, what the process is. There's no reason we can't do that with, with other suggestions or other ideas. Um, so, you know, if that... You could put in a submission at any point, you know. So Tell us how you do that. How, how does... Who, yeah, so what, going, how do you do that? Yeah, you go onto our website, which is um, www.yourook, which is y-o-o-r-o-o-k.org.au. So... Once you're in there, it'll say, you know, do you want to make a submission? You can either, we've got um, LodgePA and we've also got our truth receivers. So LodgePA is the legal side of it. If you want some legal input, that's for free. And our truth receivers will come out and assist you in writing your submission if you need that. You may, you know, someone rang the other day and said, oh, I'm sure it's all, mine's just a brain dump. And we're like, that's all we need. It's in your words. That's what we, you know, want. You can give us your submission any way you like. Song, dance, artefacts, poetry, um, painting. Um, and we've received a few things at the moment, you know, different things, paintings, um, poetry. I think we've got someone wrote on a napkin when we are out there and said, this is my submission. Um, you know, it's, it's what you want to tell. Because I say to people, there's parts of your story you probably don't want to tell, and that's okay. But there's parts you really do, and that's okay as well. It, it's up to. We're not here to traumatise, but re-traumatise people. We're here to start and hopefully assist with the healing process. And so, where, where does with the First Peoples Assembly, where does it go from here? Once the commission's finished, will yeah, these recommendations so, just be? Uh, sorry to say this, but put in a history archive, or is it? Is yeah, it no, really what, <laughs> it no, will it be looked at? Yeah. And, and look, I think one of the things is knowing for me that all our Royal Commissions have been just these books that sit on a shelf and collect dust, right? Yeah. That's not what that's not what I want for this one. We're the first truth telling body in Australia and Victoria's leading the way. Yep. We now have um, you know, 
the First People's Assembly to negotiate things, right? And so if we... I sort of put it like we're sort of the research arm, so we get all the truths and we do all the research and then we say, right, these are the recommendations that people want. This is what we're hearing. And then it goes over to somebody else. I don't think the truth-telling process can completely finish once the commission's finished. I think it's a long-term process and I'm sure... Um, that that'll be a recommendation in itself because you you know not every takes not takes time to trust and we're another royal commission totally get that why are they going to trust us? One of the things is this is first peoples led so out of the five commissioners for a first peoples so um, that in itself is groundbreaking work that we have indigenous data sovereignty principles which helps protect your data or your story and we have. We're not just handing this over to government. We're handing it over to MOB, so we're still accountable. But that's the way I see it. I'm that glad. We're still in the process of pushing these forward. Um, so that is part of the reason I'm hopeful, and I have hope, because I have hope in our people that we're all going to push forward for what's, for what's needed and what needs to be changed, because we can't continue the way we're going. Absolutely, and, and I'm so happy that the second week commence, you know, starting March 6th, that's going to look at Victoria's criminal justice system, including yep. the need, isn't it, um, yep. Sue Ann, to reform bail laws to stop people being unnecessarily imprisoned? Yeah, so the critical issues report, which is due 30 June, is really about harm happening now. Um, so we want in that, in that report harms that have, we want to make recommendations about those harms happening now to stop that happening while we're doing the bigger piece of work about, you know. For me, it's not thinking around the edges of any of these systems. We need whole new systems. So what do those whole new systems look like? And that'll be in the final report. But just to be really clear, we want, we've got to do something now. So that critical issues report we'll look at uh, in the criminal justice system, you know, the criminal age of responsibility. Uh, it'll also, um, it's had a blank, the bail reform, yep. uh, particularly, which has a, you know, that's really, we've got people doing time on remand and when they get sentences, press them what they've already done, you know. And we know we're overrepresented in these systems, so um, to stop stop those harms happening. I mean, in our first week's hearing, Daniel Andrews come out and talked about the criminal justice as a child protection system and said we need an overhaul. Um, he's now talked about uh, the criminal age of responsibility. Um, which we'll, all, we'll be making recommendations. And it doesn't mean that we can't visit it in the, the final report um, because we'll be watching if these things get implemented and they aren't they aren't uh, self-determining for our people. So we can still got time to make recommendations about on top of what, what's been done, if that makes sense to you. It does. It really does. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm so happy that you were able to come on, Suanne. We've nearly finished our show. Are there any final comments that you, you want to make and where can people come if they actually want to go in person? Yeah, so we're at 54 Wellington Street in Collingwood, up on the ninth floor. Um, don't let this be something that happens to someone else. Be part of it. You don't have, you know... Um, even if you just want to inquire, you're unsure about, you know, um, telling your truth, every bit adds to the public record. And the more we get, the more credible, well, they are credible, but the more credible our recommendations become because we've got more information behind it. You'll never be cross-examined, your truth is your truth, and that's all we um, ask for. And there's plenty of assistance. 
So if you go to www.yourookyrrrrk.org.au, um, you'll, you'll also be able to see previous hearings. Um, and, and what I'll say to people is if you're watching the hearings or you want to watch previous hearings, you really take care of yourself in that moment. If you're not ready to watch them, don't. Um, and, and just become part of it. Even if you, at this point, don't want to, you know, sign up for a newsletter and see what's happening. Um, there may be something that interests you or something you want to say or talk about. So we're on social media, we're on Facebook, um, LinkedIn and Instagram as well. So um, feel free to reach out to us if you've got any questions at all. I hope so. I hope this this, this works. I mean, one of the things that I've learnt over many years, um, Sue Ann, is, is interviewing a lot of Aboriginal people, men and women, mm-hmm. and some quite a few people feeling really left out of the process, feeling like that they haven't been consulted, especially people in regional Victoria. And we just need to be more united. Yeah, we hear that. The further we go away from Melbourne, the more we hear that. And I love that we can get out on country um, to take people's truth. We're not not a Royal Commission where we sit behind a desk and you come to us. All the commissioners are out and about, and you'll probably see us more over the coming time but um definitely link up with our either our website our social media because it'll have in advance where we're going and where we'll be so um you know the more i just want to say i'm just really um proud of our mob you know we always show up yeah and we always you know keep telling our stories and stories again till they're heard and i'm just honored to be the one that listens so um i just want to thank those that, that come out and get involved it's um it's big um, and we look after you, and we promise to look after you in the best possible way we can. And I'm honoured to have you, Sue Ann, on the show, and I hope that you you felt safe talking to me. Oh, I definitely did. Thank you so much for having us. Because the more we talk about it, the more we get the word out, the more people know. And you know, it doesn't need to be big voices; just those little voices are really important too. Sue Ann, it's lovely to have you, and I'm hoping to have you back soon. And I really mean that. Yeah, no, happy to come back. So thank you for having me on. Thanks a lot. Take care. Right, take care. Keep Bye. it up. Bye-bye. And that was Commissioner Sue Ann Hunter, who has done some really amazing work, and she's been um, the, the commission, one of the commissioners for the Uruk Justice Commission. It's approximately 4.54, and I wanted to thank everybody for coming in, and thank you also to Evan for organising this interview. And Evan um, used to work at the Human Rights Law Centre, so it's a pretty small world. So thank you to Sue Ann, also to Ian Rintel, and thanks also to Alan um, Alan Brown as well for coming onto the show. And we're going to be going out with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella, from the Rumpy Band. And I encourage you to listen every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time show. Do listen next Monday in particular because I've got a very special guest coming on. And you'll have to listen to find out. And it's goodbye from Marissa. And as I said, we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella from the Rumpy Band. Before I go, um, you, you heard also a song by Archie Roach called Weeping in the Forest. And I also wanted to pay a quick tribute to Uncle Jack Charles, who recently passed away, Archie Roach passed away. They've all been, you know, members of the the Stolen Generation. Um, Yeah, okay. Thanks a lot, everybody, and thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week. Bye. 
and we're having some technical difficulties at the moment. Um, maybe no one wants me to go. <laughs> I'm going to be locked in the studio. <laughs> um, and pretty soon, hopefully, we're going to be having black fella, white fella. There we are. Bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Are real.